Do you find yourself struggling with worry? Is it hard for you to trust that God might have a bigger plan in the middle of a hard thing? Well, this week I talked with my guest, Christine Brown, about how she has discovered that God is still there in the middle of the worry, even with difficult diagnoses. And she shares a little bit of her story and some of the wisdom that she learned as she walked through a diagnosis of cancer. And then she also shares how she's turned that into an opportunity to help other people discover God's goodness and to learn more about how other people's stories intersect with our own and teach us something. She has specifically applied that to the story of Rahab from the Bible. So I hope you appreciate her insight and the resources that she shares in this episode. You're listening to Life Repurposed, where you'll find practical biblical wisdom for everyday living, creative inspiration, and helpful resources. Grow your faith, improve your relationships, discover your purpose, and reach your goals with topics to encourage you to find hope amid the trashy stuff of life. Thanks for joining me today. I'm your host, Michelle Rayburn. Let me tell you a little bit about Christine Brown. She is a communicator at heart, a ministry wife, a mom, a stepmom, and Mimi. She's a former chronic worrier who loves connecting with women today and teaching about women of the Bible. You'll find encouragement to help you become more than yourself through God's word at her website, morethanyourself.com. And I'll mention that in the resources at the end again as well. Any given day, you can find Christine texting her young adult kids, checking on neighbors, or searching for a new way to cook broccoli. Here's my interview with my guest, Christine Brown. Welcome, Christine. Thank you so much for joining me for Life Repurposed. Hi, Michelle. I'm so glad to be here with you and your listeners. So we met, I think, through social media? Yes. Um, Yeah. Oh, you responded to an email that I had sent out. And then I realized, oh, we're connected on social media. So I Facebook stalked you and stalked you on Instagram a little bit. (laughs) Yes. I love social media for things like that. I was a subscriber to your um, email list and enjoyed getting those little reminders. So I would know when new podcast episodes came out and things like that and was glad that you reached out. Yeah. So looking at your story, I realized that you have a lot of threads that go with the life repurposed audience. But as we sat down today, I realized I don't really know that much about you because we're not friends in real life. So tell me a little bit about where you live and what you love to do for fun. I live in East Texas. I am a former school teacher turned stay at home writer. And I am recently my husband retired from pastoral ministry. He also works in the corporate world, so he is still working with that, but we are just enjoying a little bit of emptiness time together, doing some traveling when we can, and just we enjoy getting out in nature, and I also, as it says in my bio, enjoy attempting a new recipe now and then. It always (laughs) doesn't turn out the way I'd hoped, but I still like to try. Yeah, it's sometimes more fun to cook for people who appreciate it. And I raised boys, so they weren't really as into my recipes as I am. I know the feeling exactly. 
think you mentioned broccoli and that's like, yeah, I don't know that I could find a way to cook broccoli for them that they didn't discover it was there. <laughs> right. Which is kind of humorous because I actually have broccoli sitting out in the kitchen right now, ready to cook it this evening. So here we go again. <laughs> The listeners that are listening in on the podcast, a lot of them are still in those years of raising their kids. And so they might be trying to figure out what's for dinner tonight with kids running around. We're going to be talking about what God's done in your life journey. And I hope that that inspires somebody who's listening today to just find hope in the midst of their own journey. Absolutely. I would say to those moms, enjoy every moment and don't worry <laughs> so much about what you're putting on the table. Just be in the moment because they do fly by. They really do. So one of the things that I read in the information about you is that one of the struggles you've had in the past has been with worry. I have a feeling that there's at least one listener, if not a whole lot of listeners out there who can relate to a struggle with worry. So tell me a little bit more about that. Yes. Not too long ago, my husband and I were going through a season where it just seemed like it was one thing after another. I don't know if you've had those times where you feel like as soon as you find resolve in one thing that's happening, another problem pops up. And I was carrying this heaviness, this weight around, and we were getting close to our emptiness season. So on top of that, it was a very busy time for us, but I just couldn't seem to get relief. I wanted to just mm -hmm. get past it and be able to live life and enjoy life again. So I defaulted to what I usually would do in these situations. And that is to think I need a vacation. I need a break. I just need to get away. And so we did. We planned a vacation. And on the way to vacation, here I was, just healthy, active woman, uh, loved being busy, loved getting out and doing things. And I was experiencing suddenly out of nowhere, a very unusual pain in my lower back. And by the time vacation had ended and we were actually driving home, the pain had escalated to the point where it was so excruciating. I was sweating. I'd never had pain so bad mm. that I was sweating. So with some, some serious coaxing from my husband, I went to the doctor and came face to face with a diagnosis of colorectal cancer, which mm. was nothing I would have ever expected to happen. So how did you respond to that? What was your what was your initial response when you received that diagnosis? Usually, Michelle, in these situations and really in anything that I would go through from the smallest of life's daily demands to the really hard things in life, my default reaction was to go to the worst case scenario. I would think of the worst possible thing that could happen. And I think that that's why when these really hard things happened, I would be completely undone. And I was mm. overcome with worry because I couldn't see a way out. And I just couldn't figure out a way to give it to God and allow him to handle it. So here I was thinking, this could be my worst case scenario. How am I going to do this? Because I knew if I didn't do something differently now, I wouldn't survive it. I needed to learn how to move to a new level of trust and the one who I knew was faithful. I just needed to figure out how to do that. 
Okay, so I know there has to be somebody listening who's been in those shoes, who received that news, who goes to the worst case scenario and is not sure what to do next. So how did you refocus and get to that place to the one you trust? Well, it just so happened at the time that I was diving into the story of a woman in scripture who is named Rahab. And some of the listeners might be familiar with that name. Uh, But just to give a little background about who she is in scripture, she was the woman who, when Joshua was leading the Israelites into the promised land after they had wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, and they were finally going to get to go in to conquer the land, he sent two spies into Jericho, and Rahab was the one who hid the spies, and she made a deal with them that if she helped them, that they would spare her and her family. And as I was reading Rahab's story, I came across a line where she was talking to these two Israelite spies, and she said, I know the Lord has given you this land. And I thought, how does she know? I want to know. I want to be that certain. I just couldn't believe she was so certain because she didn't grow up around it. She didn't, she wasn't an Israelite. She lived in this other place. So she goes on then to say, we have heard the stories of what your God Mm. has done for your people. And she chose to believe what God was able to do for her and her actions walked that out. And I wanted to be able to hold on to that type of certainty. So I found a scripture as I was studying in Hebrews 10 and 23, and it says, let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And I realized that's the way I had been living. I had been living wavering back and forth based on what my circumstances were. And I needed to learn how to hold on to hope without wavering, come what may, whatever I was about to walk into. And that started a real change for me in my life. And this was right at the beginning of this journey. So I knew as God walked with me through this, I would see some transformation if I would just learn to trust him. Did you grow up in a faith family or did you have a background of faith like from early on in life? I did. My family and I went to church. I stopped going to church when I was a teenager. And then so it was kind of a surprise when I met my future husband who was a preacher and married him. And we didn't serve in pastoral ministry at first for quite a while in our marriage. But then uh, I like to say we stumbled back into it, but I know that the Lord opened the doors for us to serve in a very special way. Um, And as interim pastors at different churches and get to meet new people that way. So I did have a foundation, but had stepped away from the Lord Mm -hmm. for a while. And then when you received the diagnosis, did you have times where you could look back and see where God had brought you through other challenges, other difficulties? Was there anything in your own story? Like you mentioned Rahab's story. Was there anything in your story where you could point back and go, I saw God show up there? I knew that God was faithful. And that was where I needed to change because I needed to be able to trust him like I knew was possible. I read my devotions. I even memorized a verse now and then. So when I thought of myself, I thought, surely I know God is trustworthy. Someone like me should 
definitely trust God to be able to handle this. So I needed to come up with some strategies for myself to be able to identify those triggers in those times when I was um, more vulnerable to worry and fear and panic coming into my situation so that I could do something about it. One thing that I learned in my time is to have God's promises readily available. So that way, instead of going to the worst case scenario, I could have a go-to verse ready for me. And I think that sometimes we struggle in certain areas and it might not be the same as what someone else Mm -hmm. struggles with. So we have to identify that for ourselves. And for me, I realized that there was a certain time of day that I was more susceptible Mm. to doubts and worry. And that was first thing in the morning before I ever drank my first cup of coffee, before I turned on the light, before I even opened my eyes, I would start thinking about the same problem that I just prayed about the night before. And even though I'd prayed about it the night before, and then I'd slept well, I'd wake up thinking about it again and again and trying to figure out what happens if I do this? What happens if I do that? So I had to identify a promise from God's word that would go with that. And when I identified that trigger and I could, you know, start into that worry first thing in the morning, then I would immediately switch to that verse. So for me, since it was morning, I chose the familiar verse. I believe it's Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. This is a paraphrase, but it's, uh, his mercies are new every morning. Great is Mm -hmm. his faithfulness. And that was a quick and easy one for me to remember that as soon as I started the worry, I could switch to that. And it completely changed the way I started my day. So you identified triggers and you knew I have this trigger. Have you, have you talked to other people who have had different triggers that, you know, cause them to worry more? Yes. I mean, it's a very personal thing. And those things that the circumstances that God walks us through, he knows, he knows exactly what we need. He knows exactly the word that we need for that season and for that time. And I think that it depends too on not only our personal circumstances and situation, but a certain time in our life, just as you mentioned before, if we have small kids at home or school-aged children Mm -hmm. or empty nest, or if we're uh, single, whatever the case, God has that promise available to us. And the more we have it readily available, the more we seek his word and look to his promises, the more we have those that we can hold on to in those difficult times. One of the things I've discovered is when I walk through something, it helps me to minister in a different way to others. So I'm wondering how having cancer has changed your ministry to other women, other people that you come across. It definitely gives us more of an empathy and an understanding Uh, people. God puts people in our path for that time. I truly believe Mm -hmm. and helps us through all of this. I learned to be able to minister more one-on-one and those face-to-face interactions and being very present for the people in our lives and the people in our circles is important to me. So that's something that, it changes more. uh, I I believe a devastating diagnosis changes our perspective about what is right in front of us and being very in the moment. I've never considered myself 
a good listener. And that has been one of my goals through all of this is to be able to be present for my people and be a better listener. And if the whole, if I've asked the Holy spirit to guide me to trust that he's doing it and to grab those opportunities when he puts someone in my path for me to have a relationship with and to be able to minister to. This episode is sponsored by ClassicMarriageBook.com. Is your marriage ready for the long haul? In a marriage, there will be hours of maintenance work, tinkering, breakdowns, meltdowns, blowups, cute photo ops, wear and tear, overhauls, memories, vacations, celebrations, and repairs. There will be moments where you haul yourselves back to the garage for work. Like a trusty old truck, a classic marriage isn't perfect, but who can put a price tag on it? In this book, you'll find inspiration, honesty, and self-deprecating humor from the front seat of adventure with Michelle and Phil. Tips to get under the hood and keep your marriage on the road to a long future. Tune-up questions in every chapter to work on your communication. Tools to cool overheated emotions and repair broken hearts. You can find more at classicmarriagebook.com and find out how to get your copy of Classic Marriage, Staying in Love as Your Odometer Climbs, and the downloadable discussion questions that you can do together. So one of the things that I've seen happen, probably experienced some myself too, is when you have something that you're going through, sometimes Christians have pat answers that they give you. So, you know, like everything's going to be fine or God has it all under control. Have you found any of those that were especially challenging for you when you were right in the middle of really wrestling with the worry? Michelle, that I struggle with taking in too much information and Mm. because I love people, I love my people and I want to hear what they have to say, I can sometimes allow a lot of different opinions to affect my heart and also to affect my decision-making. And so through this, I really had to turn everything off right from the beginning. My husband and I decided that we would go to God's word first. We would only tell close family about what we were walking through until I felt truly grounded in what God's word said about me, about my situation and about his faithfulness in my life, because we do want to help each other. And I think in the goodness of wanting to do that, like you said, we say things and I've been known in the past to really let those things attach to me and to sink into mm-hmm. my heart and put my trust and time my hope to those words instead of God's word. So that was something I had to make very clear for myself. And I had to spend a lot of time, just me and the Lord. As a matter of fact, there was a time when I was preparing to get an MRI test done. And if your listeners are not familiar with that. It's an imaging where they would look to see a a better picture of the cancer inside. And for an MRI, you have to go through a very small tube and it's not a pleasant experience, but it was in that moment that the technician who was administering the test said to me, do you have a fear of confined spaces? Well, just him asking that question sent my heart into a panic (laughs) But then immediately I began to pray and I just said, Lord, 
no one else is going to fit in here, but you and I, so here we go. (laughs) And I just smiled at thinking that God would smile at my attempt at humor that sometimes people don't get, (laughs) but immediately I was able to create an image in my mind that he was right there with me. And it was in those moments of solitude, just me and the Lord, that I could come to an understanding, a deeper understanding of how much Mm -hmm. I could trust him to be there with me when I felt isolated, when I felt alone, when I felt like things may not work out the way I hope. His presence brought me that comfort and peace. So I know that my listeners are going to want to know, where are you at with that health journey now? At the time of our recording, I am almost three years in remission. It has been a long journey of healing and restoration, and God continues to restore me a little bit each day. And I'm, I'm thankful for that journey. And I'm thankful that I still need to look to him because we have a tendency to think if I'm not trusting God, if I'm giving into worry that I'm doing something wrong, or I'm not strong enough to do this. And it's not that, that those things go away instantly, but that we learn how to stand firm in that faith and address it and it becomes easier. The more we practice, the easier it becomes. And I I love that God gives me chances to continue to keep trusting him day after day Mm -hmm. after day. You said you're thankful for that journey. So how long did it take for you to get to the gratitude point? Oh, that is such a good question. I look back and I think about all the journaling, all the writing down I did, because I, Mm -hmm. I, I knew there was a message in this. I wanted to write a book at some point as a writer. I wanted to share it, but through it, it was so personal, so deeply personal that I really didn't feel ready to share. So I just wrote down everything God had done. And I think it was after treatments when I went to the surgeon and he looked and he said something that really I think helped me feel that gratitude that you were asking about. He said, it still doesn't look great. I'm not really sure I like what I see. And I realized that I had kind of been living in that, that I was living by what I was seeing going on around me. And I wanted to, whatever was happening with my situation, be able to, um, walk in faith, that familiar verse, we walk by faith, not by sight. The new living translation of that is we live by believing, not by seeing. So I wanted to be able to put those blinders on and live by believing. And at that point, I realized I needed this journey, even though that may sound incredibly odd to say when I'm talking about cancer, I needed this transformation. God was repurposing me and repurposing my heart through this. So even though, yes, I am a walking miracle and truly believe God has done a restoring work in me, the bigger work has been in my heart through the journey, the battle with cancer. Hmm. That's It's hard when we're going through something and sometimes I, I have all the emotions. I'm angry at God. I'm 
you know, fear, I worry, all of those things. But then, yeah, underneath, there's this knowledge that he's still in control, even when I'm completely out of control with my own emotions. Yes. And that we have to have that. We have to have that. That's Mm -hmm. the missing piece when we start relying too much on our own ability. Mm -hmm. And as go-getter girls, we like that. We like to be in control and to know that when we are feeling like we're spinning out of control, that God has us on firm footing and he will keep Mm -hmm. us there. It's a wonderful feeling. Yeah. Were you writing before your cancer journey or did your writing and publishing start after? No, I had been writing for several years, several years as a school teacher. I was writing and doing both and I had written two books. So um, this most recent book is actually my third publication. So how did your writing change as a result of going through cancer? Oh, right. Our writing changes with everything we experience. I truly (laughs) believe that it's so evolving. And we look back at things we've written before and realize that it was wonderful for that specific time and may still be speaking to someone um, because God uses us. But the more we experience, the more we grow through those experiences. And I think it just becomes deeper and more. um, I become more aware that others are reading my words and looking for some encouragement there. And it, it helps me to uh, truly connect with other people and pray that the Holy Spirit is speaking through those words and that it's, it's so much more of the Lord and not me. Well, it gives you an opportunity to speak to somebody you might never meet. And thinking of that, there's somebody listening on the other end here who is facing a diagnosis. They're waiting for the results. What word do you have for that person who's waiting and wondering what's going on with their own health? I would say that trusting God and trusting in his promises for us doesn't always change our circumstances. Sometimes we still have to walk through those hard things, but I have no doubt that it will change us. And there's a verse that I love for that I think would be appropriate to share with them. And it's Romans 15 and 13. It promises us that God will fill us with his peace and joy. And that's a hard concept to grasp when we're going through something difficult. How do I live? How do I accept this peace and joy? But the verse says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope. So I feel like even when we're not feeling it, even when we are afraid to get up and face the day, we can hold on to that hope without wavering because he is faithful. That reminds me of a phrase you used. I have to look here at it. You said God taught you how to trust him like you mean it. What does that mean? (laughs) That means what I discovered from Rahab was, like I said before, that she, every decision she made, every step she took showed how much she trusted the Lord. And I wanted to have that level of trust. I knew it was possible because I knew who the Lord was. I knew what his word said. I even professed my trust, but I stopped short of that one important thing. And that was actively trusting in the God that I knew. So that's what I mean when I say trust him like I mean it is really 
actively living that out in my everyday life. I always share a resource with my listeners. And so I want to talk about two that you've told me about. I know you have other books and I'll be linking to those in the show notes too. But I want to talk about Cinched, which is your book that explains how Rahab's story ministered to you and then you're teaching others. And then also you have a free digital download. So let's talk about that first. You have a hundred of God's promises for your unraveled heart and they can find that on your website at christinebrown.net. Is that correct? Yes, absolutely. It's very easy to find Christine with a K and they will see uh, that bar that they can click on and easily get to that digital download. That's a list of encouraging verses from God's word that have meant something to me during different part, different times in my life from parenting small children until today and my recent cancer journey. I went back through my journals and found those verses that were special to me and wanted to provide that for my community at christinebrown.net. And I feel it's important, like we talked about before, that we have encouraging verses readily available Mm -hmm. to us. So it is a checklist of verses and that list is also in the back of the book that you mentioned cinched, but in the book, the verses are written out. So the download for, you know, just being able to save space is the actual reference. And then those are written out in the back of the book in a glossary of God's promises. So people can use their favorite Bible app or their their print Bible and they can look up the verses and mark them in their own resource based on the list that you gave them. Absolutely. Yeah. So tell us about Cinched, the book about Rahab. The book follows the journey of Rahab from the very beginning. It takes readers through how she showed moving from knowing God is able to saying that he is able, and then actively living out that trust in her life and how that affected my personal journey as well. The title cinched, of course, is in reference to the red cord that Rahab tied to her window to show that she trusted that God was going to come through for her and her family in their time of need. What I love about her story is that it shows that we don't have to have, first, we don't have to have grown up in a Christian family. We don't have to have like mountains of faith. We just need to start with that basic step. So what else did you learn about our faith journey as you studied her story? Oh, there's so much to share, so much to share about Rahab. She has such a wonderful story. One thing that I love is that when I saw how Rahab asked the spies for a guarantee, she said, give me some guarantee. Then they gave her some things that she needed to do in return. She had to tie the rope to her window and leave it there and make sure that her family stayed in the home. And she did those things. She walked in obedience according to what was required of her. And through that, she was able to wait well, not knowing the time or the day or when her prayer would be answered, but it was Joshua remembered her and she lived with the Israelites. So her story has a wonderful ending and a wonderful message for us all to walk in obedience and to continue to trust. 
And Christine, you might have said this when you were first talking about her, but um, for those listening, she, everybody in that city was going to be destroyed with the city. And so she was rescued through this promise. By tying the cord, she identified which window was hers. And so her family was rescued. This is not just a... Uh, it's not a fairy tale. This is a this is a real story, an account of a life that was saved by trusting in God. Yes, an amazing, amazing story of God's faithfulness and provision. Is this a book that people would do like read on their own, or is it a group study, or both? <laughs> well, there is a companion workbook available, and the companion workbook is a personal look at where we are in our own trust walk with the Lord. And so that's also available and would be appropriate for a personal study or a group study. Each chapter has a lesson, a foundational lesson from Rahab's story. And then those lessons are uh, also available in the workbook. And then readers are encouraged to go deeper into that. There's a quiz and some uh thought questions and places to journal and write out prayers and things like that in the workbook. So this is a great opportunity for listeners who want to go deeper themselves and to see how Rahab's story intersects with their own. So listener, I encourage you to pick up that book and go through that. One of the ways that we can encourage each other is through Materials like what Christine has written here, where it's a way for us to get deeper into a Bible story and apply it to life. Christine, what would you like to leave with my listeners as we wrap up today? Well, thanks again, Michelle, for allowing me to be here with your listeners. And I would just say one of my favorite things is looking at stories of women in scripture and being able to say, wow, God was faithful for her, and he is faithful to us today as well. So I think that that would be the thought that I would want to leave your listeners with. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and we can trust him. Thank you for being vulnerable and sharing a little piece of your journey. I'm sure we only touched the tip of the iceberg in our 30-minute conversation. That's right. There is so many, so many good things that God has done, just like we all have those stories. And I think it's important for us to share those. And I appreciate you allowing me the opportunity to share and brag on God a little bit and all that he has done. You're welcome. I hope we get to meet in real life sometime soon. Yes, absolutely. Me too. You've been listening to Life Repurposed with Michelle Rayburn. Check out tips, resources, and inspiration at michellerayburn.com to get the show notes for this episode. Each week, I share links to everything mentioned in the episode, graphics you can share, and guest quotes. I also invite you to join the Life Repurposed Facebook community for weekly conversation with others on the journey of discovering the repurposed life. Before you go, which friend needs to hear this episode? Share a link with a note to invite them to listen. And thank you for listening too.